0: Welcome to Grand County Matters. My name is John Sanderson. This show is for and about all of the people who live, work, and love Grand County. It doesn't matter what part of the county you call home, I hope to have something for everyone. This edition of Grand County Matters is brought to you by Sanderson Commercial Real Estate. The name Grand County trusts when specialization matters. Online. At sandersonre.com. Hello, and welcome back to Grand County Matters. Today, I am joined by Mira McQuain, the Executive Director of the Headwaters Trails Alliance. We're going to learn all about Mira and all about trails in Grand County today. Good morning, and hello.
1: Well, hello! Thanks for having me on your show.
0: Absolutely, it's so nice to see you again. We were talking before the show about uh, our kids who skied together, and I remember when your youngest daughter was itty itty bitty, and now she's all big, and it's hard to believe.
1: Yes, the Grand Mesa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because she was a mini that. mesa before. Yes. <laughs> well, great. So, tell us all about you. How did you end up in Grand County, and later? the executive director of the Headwaters Trails Alliance.
1: That is a fun question and a fun journey. So my family actually homesteaded in Estes Park, Colorado five generations ago. So I grew up um, every summer coming and being a pseudo native Coloradan in Estes Park um, for about three to four months every summer. And uh, originally hailing from Kansas City, from the Midwest, but my family always had an appreciation of Colorado and the mountains and hiking and horseback riding and all things that involve Colorado. And so um, both my parents went to Colorado State. And um, after graduating high school, I also went to Colorado State and studied forestry. And um, during that time, you know, I, I quickly realized uh, in high school that Colorado was kind of my place. And um, after going to CSU and studying forestry, I then studied uh, ecology at KU where I went to uh, where I grew up in Kansas City. I went to the state school there and got an ecology degree, but always wanted to go back to the mountains. But while I was there, I joined a competitive cycling team and a climbing team. And so um, my love of the trails while it was born, you know, growing up in Estes Park, uh, it was further solidified when mountain biking was kind of booming and, um, as part of the cycling team we I came out to Colorado for mountain bike nationals and USA cycling, road cycling championships and whatnot, and knew that I wanted to get to back to Colorado as soon as possible. So, um, that was, that's kind of the journey about how I got back in, or, you know, my love of Colorado was born. And then, um, after college, I decided I wanted to get a graduate degree and I took, uh, took a year to find a really unique program. And I did an experiential traveling program in environmental science and education called the Audubon Expedition Institute. And with that, we traveled on a retrofitted school bus literally a school box <laughs> that was modified uh, 20 students uh, and we would travel all around the world uh, learning about environmental studies and environmental issues where they were occurring and looking at recreation versus conservation and studying those issues so with that program i went up into um, the northeast and uh, the atlantic maritime up into nova scotia newfoundland and studied the Pacific Northwest, studied down the Four Corners region, and then I did my graduate teaching internship in Nepal, um, to, studying ecotourism and trekking.
0: Wow. So
1: that definitely solidified my love of outdoor recreation and um, outdoor education, experiential education, natural science education. So after that, I uh, dabbled a little bit with teaching science at the high school and middle school level, but it wasn't enough outdoor time for me. Um, And then when I finally did have the opportunity to move back to Colorado, I had lived in various places, various resort communities, and was a a raft guide for a while. But uh, when I finally found Grand County again, after all those years as a child coming to Grand Lake and and jumping off the dock into the the freezing cold water um, you know, it felt like home. I had lived in Vail and I'd lived in Summit County. I'd lived in Salida and Buena Vista and Fort Collins and Esses Park. But I got to Grand County and it felt like, oh, wow, well, this is my place. You know, it had an abundance of trails and a lot of outdoor recreation, uh, whitewater rafting. It had all the reservoirs, all the wilderness areas. And so to me, it felt like, oh, my gosh, this is this really undiscovered playground. And uh, no shortage of opportunities to be outside. And so um, people were so great and the community was small. it just felt like it was a perfect place to raise a family. And so that was about uh, 17 years ago now. <laughs> and I still, you know feel like I want to pinch myself at you know, like, is this really real? There's over a thousand miles of trails here, five wilderness areas, a national park you know, seven reservoirs, two the headwaters of two really important rivers, um, two ski areas, two downhill parks for mountain biking, um, you know, world-class Nordic skiing, the greatest number of kilometers of Nordic skiing in all of North America. So all my passions and all of my, uh, outdoor activities can be met here in this place. So, um, my journey then to Headwaters Trails, um, You know, I was a science educator for a time, but also worked with nonprofits for the most part. And so have about 20 years in the nonprofit realm. I worked for the community foundation up, he, up here in Grand County, the Grand Foundation. I worked as a grant writer for the medical uh, center and the medical foundation here as well. And then when a position opened at Headwaters Trails Alliance, kind of was the perfect juxtaposition of my education, my passion, my recreational interests all in one. So it was kind of like the perfect marrying of everything for me. And I feel, I still feel to this day, it's been uh, a little over six years that I've kind of, you know, I'm one of those lucky people that all of the things that I've worked for in life all can be met in this, in this particular position.
0: It's such a fantastic place to live. I, uh, you know, when I lived there, I would come over the top of the hill. I'd commuted outside this state for work. And I would come over the hill and I'd see that Grand County sign on Birthed Pass. And it's like all the pressure would lift. <laughs> yeah. It's a great spot. Tell us about Headwaters Trails kind of broadly. The scope is unbelievable. So I'm anxious to share it because I, I just don't feel like people know what you do at scale. It's amazing.
1: Well, thank you. It it feels uh, overwhelming and amazing all at the same time. Um, You know, this organization was founded in 1996 uh, through a collaboration between Rocky Mountain National Park, uh, Grand County Zoning and Planning, and a a friends group actually out of the Grand Lake area. So it was born um, out of that in collaboration with the county government um, and Headwaters Trails Alliance originally had a little bit of a different name Um, But it still embodied the headwaters uh, concept, you know, headwaters of the rivers coming together. And originally, the organization was just set up as a fundraising arm to help the county planning department so that they could, you know, apply for other uh, funding sources, knowing that especially paved trails are really uh, expensive, not only to construct, but also to maintain. And so this nonprofit arm was formed uh, really to commit to uh, construct commuter routes in between communities uh, similar to Summit County, where all of the different communities are connected via a paved path. Well, after a few years of, of starting to undertake this whole funding proposition in a county as vast as ours, you know, it, it ended up becoming kind of a formidable obstacle. And so the organization, mostly having just one employee, not even full-time year-round, since 1996, until literally recently, like the last two years, um, operated with, you know, trying to build uh, these connectors between the communities and was successful in connecting Winter Park to Fraser, Fraser to Tabernash, Tabernash to Granby. And then um, once that was completed in the mid 2000s, you know, it actually ended up when the recession hit that this organization, you know, there was, there were some serious conversations for a couple of years about the viability of this organization. You know, this organization works with the different municipalities and the county government and the federal agencies to support trails. But really at that time, its mission was still very commuter corridor oriented and not recreational trails oriented. And so with a shift in the mission at that time, then it became more an organization to help, um, promote outdoor recreation in Grand County. So not necessarily in the marketing sense, but in the building trails and helping um, the federal agencies with their trail systems. And so it's been kind of floating along doing that, helping the county with plat review and um, doing education and outreach to the schools um, in terms of Leave No Trace and stewardship education. Um, And then let's see, probably in about 2000, 13-14, 1314, there was this really. there was this big shift into more uh, landscape-oriented planning, I think, in all of the communities and municipalities, and then also with Headwaters Trails Alliance as well. And so when I came on board in the end of 2014, Mara McKnight, my predecessor, had already started this whole uh, master trails plan for the county. Um, and started reaching out to stakeholder groups, different recreational groups to get their input. You know, she was asking, what do you all want to see here in Grand County? And what do we need to be uh, an outdoor recreation destination for tourists? You know, how do we bring in people similar to our, our neighboring communities, you know, Steamboat and Summit County and so she really started, she initiated that whole process, and then I kind of inherited it at, in, in a various stages of completion. But um, within my first year, we got the whole Fraser Valley planning done, um, which was a huge endeavor. Uh, I believe we met with close to 40 different stakeholder groups. So everyone from you know, wilderness advocates to equestrian interests to motorized users to long distance trail runners and mountain bikers and within the mountain bike community, you know, there's all kinds of uh, variations and gradations of interest there and skill, you know, from your gravity downhill mountain biker to your beginner strider rider. Um, And so it's a pretty diverse group, but uh, we did a whole new master trails planning effort for the Fraser Valley and then worked with the forest service to get a, Huge redevelopment project going called Trail Smart Sizing. And we launched that project in 2017. And up to uh, it's about a $1.5 million project with 38 separate components to it. And we've been working every year to bring in about $250,000 to that project to. You know, both connect. You know, make critical connections for trail systems so they're not isolated in the Fraser Valley, as well as make sustainability improvements so that you know we make sure we preserve all the natural assets that we have in Grand County that make Grand County so grand. So, for instance, you know, we're we're putting bridges over creeks so that mountain bikers and hikers and you know everybody else isn't tromping through the creek bed. You know, that feed into the headwaters of the Fraser River. Um, we are trying to move trails that are, um, in highly sensitive areas out of those zones. Like if it's critical wildlife habitat or calving habitat. So we work closely with Colorado parks and wildlife to help ensure that our trails are in the best location that they can be to meet again, that recreation need and the conservation need. So we're, we're always trying to balance those two things. Um, And then after that, we moved into, after finishing up that Fraser Valley plan, we moved over to the Granby, Grand Lake area and did a a master trails plan for that area, working with all the various entities there, uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, the BLM, the Forest Service, uh, the municipalities, And once we completed that one, then we moved into um, like Hot Sulphur Springs and Byers Canyon West and worked with all of those various entities to get a master trails plan wrapped up for them. So all of those three little sub-area plans ended up coming together into one full county-wide master trails plan that was adopted in 2019. So it was a huge effort. Um, It's it's some light reading, it's about 300 pages. If you're interested. But, uh, you know, what came out of that planning effort um, were a lot of great collaborations with all the federal agencies and the municipalities. And, um, you know, we were able to quantify that we have about 1,040 miles of trails in Grand County, which is a phenomenal amount. 1,000
0: miles of trails?
1: 1,041, actually. Yeah.
0: Surrounding area once you get to 1,000.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. And so if you look at our organization and compare it to other organizations in the state or, you know, even in the nation, but if we just compare the state, you know, we're really unique in that there, there are so many miles to be managed and maintained, so many different federal agencies, you know, I mean, if we're just looking even at the Forest Service, for instance, you know, we have the Sulphur Ranger District the Eratho Roosevelt National Forest, the Sulphur Ranger District. Well, then we have all these one-offs because some of the, uh, the forest in Grand County is managed in cooperation with, like, the Parks Ranger District or the Route National Forest, and um, and so there are all these other mini collaborations and and whatnot to also pay attention to when you're trying to work with that federal agency. And so, you know, it ends up be, it ends up uh, creating a unique challenge but also, I mean, really great networking and cooperation, collaboration. Um, We also, um, you know, with that 1,041 miles, you know, uh, we have to work really hard and really diligently to try to make an impact. You know, we aim to have eyes on and and or perform work on about 400 miles a year. So. 400 miles a year, and when I started at HDA, I was the only full-time employee. So, you know, with with a budget that was under $100,000, which was primarily grant-funded and uh, and partnership-funded, and now through um, some pretty serious grant-writing efforts um, that we undertake, you know, primarily in the fall. Unfortunately, all kind of happen in the fall, but we are cresting a million for 2021. um, And we receive federal funds and state funds and local county tax funds. And so um, we are really project driven based upon those grant dollars. We're about 93% grant and donation funded. So um, it's
0: really amazing. And then how do you, of the 400 miles that you'll want to manage or touch every year, what sort of work Goes into those 400 miles.
1: Great question. This year was a, was an incredibly um, challenging year for us in that we had two derecho wind storms. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of a derecho, but they're hurricane force winds uh, over 110 miles an hour. And um, one of them, so we had one of those storms in June. And just after we got the forest cleaned up, that was, you know, mostly impacted around the continental divide um, region. Right after we got that cleaned up, we had yet another, you know, it's unprecedented these storms, you know, I think in nationwide, I think there only ever been one or two recorded. And then we ended up having two in grand County this summer. So it was definitely a 2020 phenomenon and it, and a 2020, um, season for sure but then we had another one in in uh September and so we ended up clearing uh close to 50,000 trees so hazard trees fallen trees and then recently with the fire season that we had up here we just spent three weeks um with our saw crews up in the Grand Lake area to help assist the Grand Lake community and getting some of their trail systems open so 2020 for us uh Project-wise, project we, we had a lot of trail construction projects going on, so building new trails, re, rebuilding trails with reroutes, doing uh, tread work and clearing corridors. But I would say uh, 2020 was definitely earmarked by uh, saw crews, chainsaw work, over $130,000 worth this year, and uh, fire restoration work. Um so between the Williams Fork Fire and the East Troublesome Fire, uh, we are anticipating a lot more uh, fire restoration work uh, for our 2021 year. But um, you know, in terms of overall scope, I mean, the sky's the limit, really, in all that we do. We have uh, so we'll have three full full time summer uh, summer trail crew. One will be year round. He's our project our field projects manager um and then in the winter time we groom about 42 miles of trails uh two really? to three a week so skiing yeah so free open to the public um some of them we set tracks on for classic skiing but they're all multi-use non-motorized multi-use trails so and we've really expanded um our offerings this winter to try covid um you know congestion concerns that that we've had so Yeah. um, So we have we don't really have a shoulder season anymore. So our our springtime shoulder season is uh, all project planning and um, getting you know everything lined out, all the signage and all of those things ordered ordered in the springtime for you know we typically are boots on the ground, shovels in the ground by June 1st, and then our field season lasts until the very end of October or as the snow flies, and then where we immediately start on grooming preparations, clearing the corridor, cutting back vegetation and whatnot to prepare for grooming. And we have three snowmobiles and and groomers. And then we also have a contract groomer who uses a snowcat. And uh, we, this year we were grooming by November 11th. So let's
0: talk about grooming really quick because it's the middle of December and, you know, it's beautiful in Grand County right now and there's snow on the ground and My skis need to get waxed and I need to get out. So just broadly, where are these 40 miles that you refer to?
1: So we groom the entire length of the Fraser River Trail. So from the base of the ski area all the way in town to County Road 8. So that is groomed in combination either with a snow catch or in the areas that have narrower bridges. We groom it with a snowmobile that's pulling a a drag. Um, We groom in Fraser um, from Copper's Park all the way over to the sports complex in kind of that Fraser Tabernash area where the soccer fields are. We groom a mile figure eight loop in that meadow and then continue the trail all the way over to Gramby Ranch. So the Fraser to Gramby Trail groomed. We groom in the forest uh, in cooperation with Grand Adventures, which is a snowmobile operation. We groom um, Creekside uh fs forest service road 159 to zoom and back down chainsaw we groom around in Fraser um, an extra loop on the east side of the Fraser river called the lunch loop in addition this year we'll be grooming around the lion's ponds uh, we're grooming givelo and northwest passage trails which are new uh for this year as well and hopefully a loop in the rodeo grounds in Fraser. um yeah anyhow and we work with the town of winter park also to uh bring some additional grooming, another route over from the base of the ski area to Little Vasquez road. So we're in in the works of that.
0: Amazing. And so you say multi-use that's Nordic skiing, hiking and snowshoeing, bad tire bike. What else do you find on that road on the, on those trails?
1: Right. Uh, a predominant use is probably dog walkers, believe it or <laughs> not. And, and the- actually really like those trails too. But, uh, they don't, they don't read our signs that tell them to avoid the, the tracks that we set though. Um, but uh, yeah, fat biking has gotten really big. Um, the one thing that we don't groom for because there's already a pretty extensive special use permit in place for grooming is uh, for snowmobile usage. So mm. We don't groom for that, but we do groom for all those other uses. Uh, typically we're grooming something wide enough that there's a skate lane and then a, a set of classic tracks.
0: Excellent. And it. it on your website or somewhere, can can we find a map of these winter trails?
1: Um, under construction, but yes, it is. Uh, it will be uh, rolled out hopefully by next week.
0: Fantastic!
1: With a uh, GIS specialist to get all those things properly routed and put on a map.
0: Very nice. Let's talk about volunteers. What's it take to run the organization?
1: Volunteers are kind of the heart of the organization. So typically, in a typical season, non-COVID season, where, um, you know, we're challenged to work in, you know, groups and whatnot, uh, we will have about 4,000 volunteer hours in a given summer field season. So that is through our Adopt-A-Trail program, as well as um, smaller scale projects and something as large as National Public Lands Day, the end of September that particular day, we'll have about 250 volunteers out on public lands, um, all working in concert to get, uh, you know, anywhere between five to six projects completed. But uh, we typically have about 400 unique volunteers that we rely on every season. Uh, we start by having a one or two volunteer trainings in the spring to kind of get people educated on, you know, sustainability standards and uh tool talk and how to safely use tools and and avoid injury and um, why we you know we explain why we're doing what we're doing you know and working in collaboration with the agencies you know we don't just get to go out there and and act you know build things that we want to build or go rogue on any of these things we're working with federal standards of sustainability and, and federal measures of trail conditions you know so How wide is the trail? How much do you have to clear, you know, for a horse to get through and and whatnot? And so we teach the volunteers those things. And then, um, you know, once they've had a training from us, typically they can, if they, for instance, want to adopt a trail. So we have 100 trails adopted right now. And if they've gone through our training, we've gone out and worked with them. We know that they're capable. Um, Then they can go do their trail work themselves on their on their adopted trail. So typically anybody who adopts a trail we ask that they they do a visual assessment first they they go out in the spring they they see oh gosh there are 12 trees that have fallen on the on the trail you know i can either clear them myself or maybe they're too big and maybe hta needs to come in and help me help us and oh there are four drains that need clearing you know okay i can do that so they give us you know kind of a state of the trail if you will sure. And anything that needs to be followed up on or um, repaired, you know, if it needs a turnpike or some other structure, then we'll go out and assist them in in performing that work. But uh, yeah, without the volunteers, uh, we would get a fraction of the work done that we get done.
0: And people can volunteer at the website. I'm sure you've some sign up form.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, there, there are several different ways to volunteer. You know, if you are gung ho and want to adopt a trail, And have the time to do that trail training, and then go out and you know commit to checking your trail out at least twice a season. Um, That's one avenue. Um, You can come and work on any of our project days. So typically we'll have two of those a a week, something like that, where it'll be posted on the website. Oh, we're going to build a bridge on Strawberry Creek. Come help build the bridge. Here, here are the details. And we provide all the tools and the training on site that day, you know, hard hats and all of that uh, personal protective equipment for you, give you the education on site. And um, so typically, like I said, there are two of those ish a week. And then um, we have larger uh, construction projects with contractors that are also underway all summer long. And occasionally we need volunteers for that. And so we'll send out through... um, an email blast or on our, on social media, we'll send out a request for volunteers that day. And then of course, you know, National Public Lands Day is also a big day. Uh, we have the largest and longest running or most continuous national public lands Day in the country. Really? So our 27th year for 2021. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So how about um, any special programs or community events beyond the, the, trail work days?
1: Um, that's also, that's a, that's a great question. And typically a very fun, uh, fun for us, for HTA. So we like to, in both the winter season and in the summer season, have something somewhat trails related, a big community event, so to speak. 2020 was challenging in that regard, but uh, typically in a typical year, we'll have a progressive cross-country ski dinner, Um, That will host that will showcase some of the trails that we groom. And so it'll have three to four stops along the way, you know, for appetizers or cocktails and then ends with a really fun and delicious dinner. Uh, Last year it had a bonfire stop as well, which was really fun. Um, We also work in conjunction with Latigo Ranch. Um, in terms of a a winter Nordic experience. And they've worked with us to, um, you know, donate some funds uh, from one of their overnight trips there. Um, And then in the summer, our big events typically are our pub crawls. And so um, we've had... Seven pup crawls, I think, six or seven at this point, and uh, up to 150 people get out on the trails. And we have a designated route, and you know, somebody blows a whistle, and then it's time to advance to the next location. Um, they can get a little bit rowdy, but yes, uh, and uh, those are great uh, community, just camaraderie-based events. You know, none of them are are tremendous money makers for us, but for us, it's more about infusing. Fun and actual recreation into the community, and giving back.
0: I love that. Well, when, when I post the show, I'll be sure to post the website so people can know where to go to go look at all the important details. I want to yeah. I want to look at your website really quick while we're talking. You know, I was poking around before our conversation today, and there's just an amazing amount of statistics on the website about the 2020 season, and I just want to touch on these and get some color commentary from you. So. And 45, four thousand five hundred and seventy seven total man hours spent on trail maintenance and trail work in twenty twenty. That's
1: amazing. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, this was a really busy and productive year for us, um, and that those hours are actually just staff, like our staff hours and um, volunteer hours, but they don't include contractor hours. So what we had every season because of those large planning efforts that we've been undertaking, you know, we'll have two to three trail construction contractors here also doing projects. So we're managing those projects. We're managing the Adopt-A-Trail program. We're managing some other volunteer projects. And then we have our staff also is assigned. They literally get a book. And they're assigned, you know, a set number of trails that they have to go out and assess on, you know, throughout the field season. They have to do an assessment and a project on those. And so, um, you know, there are there are lots of different ways that our staff are getting out there in order to do that work. But uh, one of the things I just have to say, I don't love the idea of man hours. I, I like people hours. People but hours. That is a term of art in the industry, you know. Um, <laughs> And it's funny, actually, because before this field season, all of our staff had been female. We're um, all of our board of directors are male, but our staff is all female. So especially when we had to report our man hours to the federal agencies, it kind of irked me a bit. But <laughs> I get and, yeah, it. I
0: don't blame you because it doesn't, uh, doesn't a lot for the kid hours either.
1: Right. Yes. And we do work with a lot of youth groups. Uh, again, this year was a little bit of an exception. You know, um, the Federal agencies, well, especially the Forest Service, they weren't permitted to have large-scale volunteer projects going out because of COVID. But um, typically, in a typical field season, we'll have anywhere from 8 to 15 youth projects um, scheduled within that season. And so we work with the local local groups up here, and then we'll also have college groups come up from, from DU and CU, um, and they do a lot of team building and stewardship-type training uh on those field project days so um it comes in a lot of different forms you know it could just be one of us you know going well probably i'm more the office right at this point but one of us going out and and grabbing a bike you know somebody reports hey there are three trees down on on givalo right now you know and it's all of our uh tr- our trail bikes are fat bikes that have panniers that are filled with tools, telescoping tools, as well as fuel and oil and chainsaws. And so they go out on those bikes that are kind of retrofitted to be trail maintenance bikes and go address the issue. So, which is one of the beautiful things of HGA in its current form being its own nonprofit and not necessarily attached to any governmental entity is that we have tremendous agility when we get field reports or reports from, you know, people who are out riding, they call us, they're on their mountain bike, hey, I'm on Arrow and it has this issue, or there's, you know, a creek running down the middle of Jim Creek. Um, <laughs> you know, it's flooded the banks. We can go out pretty quickly, you know, within a day and respond to whatever that issue is.
0: That's fantastic. So here's another statistic that I find amazing. So 18,706 feet of new trail construction. So that's over 3 miles of new trail construction. And I envision that to be shovel and hoe work to create new trails. Is that a good assessment?
1: Well, so actually some yes, some of that is, you know, it really depends on the topography and the trail itself uh, as to whether it's hand built or machine built. Um, Most of what we're doing right now, um, in terms of doing more substantial reroutes of unsustainable trails that are fall line, um, we have machines and we employ contractors that come in and bring their little mini excavators out, or their mini bulldozers, um, and they'll build the trails with those machines. And some of that is it's more cost effective to build a trail with a machine than it is to hand build. Hand build is is definitely more time consuming. But there is a place and a time for that. If you're looking at a really rocky area uh, or something that's really technical, you, you want to spend the time and the money to hand build something. Versus, um, you're building a connector trail that's you know bench cut going across a contour. You know, chances are it'd be you'd better spend the money and the time having a machine do it. So it's it's a combination. But mostly, I would say of that mileage, most of it was with a machine.
0: Interesting. Let's talk about the future. What's the future of Headwaters Trails Alliance?
1: Well, if uh, COVID 2020 was any indication and the record setting um, visitation of Grand County in 2019, I think that outdoor recreation and outdoor recreation based tourism is only going to increase. Um, you know, what we saw here in our community was an, you know, unprecedented number of, of new trail users, you know, people because of COVID who couldn't go do things that they may, perhaps normally would have done, are all, be, are all going outside. And uh, a lot of people are finding that they like it. You know, it's exercise, it's good mental health. Um, And so I think that the future of HTA is really trying to get ahead of sustainability and population surge and population usage increasing. You know, you see articles, you know, New York Times and, um, you know, articles coming, all all sorts of mountain communities and Denver Post all talking about increased usage and recreational impact. Um, You know, the state actually, GOCO put forth Uh, a a whole grant cycle dedicated to um, mitigating impact of this huge surge in recreational users um, because of COVID, which uh, we did receive one of those grants to uh, do some trailhead improvement projects up here, which is is exciting. So that'll be rolling out in 2021 as well. Um, But yeah, just trying to meet the need and mitigate impact um, in order to keep Grand County grand, you know, in order to protect those natural assets, which are is why we all live here and why people come here. Because of that ultimate playground.
0: Totally. Let's talk about your, your personal wish list. So you wave your magic wand. What are What are the two or three things that you'd love to see happen at HTA or with entities surrounding HTA?
1: That's an interesting question. You know, we have launched in 2020 uh, an outdoor recreation economic impact study, which will be wrapped up here in January. And um, not surprisingly, the results of that are indicating that outdoor recreation is truly the economic driver of Grand County. And so what would be amazing to see in the future is that all of the leadership, you know, the, all of the government unites around that concept, you know, that here we are, we have, a, you know, we all know it philosophically or conceptually, but now we have quantifiable data that is saying this is what we need to be working on. This is where we need to be utilizing dollars and improving infrastructure, um, both from a use perspective, but also from, you know, a conservation perspective. So I would like that. It would certainly make our job a lot easier. Um, The biggest challenge that we have, organizationally speaking, is finding funds to support our operations. So we find plenty of project dollars. You know, everyone can get excited about, um, you know, building new trail or, you know, putting new signs in, you know, to help direct people, but um, actually supporting the staff, you know, so it's this kind of chicken and egg uh, discussion that we often have with our county government, especially, you know, that we have this source of project funds, but if we don't have the staff to actually implement the project or plan the project, then what? What do the project funds matter? Right. So, um, so that would be my first magic wand. Would be that
0: <laughs> wish number one.
1: <laughs> wish number one would definitely be that we all can agree that. It's really worth spending the the money and getting the great staff and retaining staff, um, building the capacity of the organization in order to, you know, really effectively help manage those thousand forty one miles. By next year, it'll be a thousand and fifty, perhaps. Actually, no, it'll be like a thousand forty five. But um, <laughs> because you know we are a skeleton crew, you know, comparing us to any of our neighboring communities, it's there's there's not even a comparison. We're not even apples and oranges. We're like a grape and they're like a grapefruit, you know. Um, so for instance, you know Summit County, um, granted, they're funded by a lodging tax, but uh, they have each municipality has like a trails and open space department or recreation department, and then the county has one as well. And so and each one of them are funded in in the multi-million dollar realm. Um, and so, you know, we're just thrilled at this point that we have three staff, (laughs) you know, and they'll have, you know, uh, I think the last comparison I did in like Breckenridge, you know, they had 15 staff members, you know, just for Breckenridge and they were managing 25 miles of trails. So, uh, ourselves to be this organization that's small, but mighty, you know, we're all passionate and, uh, multitaskers. We all wear lots of hats. But really, I think for all of us, it's our passion that drives us, and it's our love of the place that really uh, pushes us to to go above and beyond what really, like looking, you know, pen to paper, like what we're really capable of doing. So we're definitely an organization that says yes all the time. (laughs) And we wear ourselves out a little bit, you know. Probably need to look at, you know, sustain- when we talk about sustainability, we're talking about more the natural environment. But sometimes um, I need to pull the reins back a little bit to make sure that we as an organization and our people are sustainable. So, totally.
0: well, let's switch gears and, and talk about something fun. Let's talk about favorite trails. Ooh, favorite trail? So, favorite Nordic trail, favorite bike trail, favorite hiking trail. Don't, don't share the secret ones that you don't want anybody to know about, but that, you know, the ones you're willing to talk about.
1: Gotcha. Well, I have to say, I mean, now that we're doing all of this expanded grooming, you know, I have to say that probably I, I really like going on this, the sports complex, the Fraser sports complex fields and up and over the Ridge and Tavernash, if I'm skate skiing um, one, it's close Two, you know, you get the warm up on the flats and then you can climb the hill and then you get a screaming downhill. Um, Great view of the valley. So I would say uh, for efficiency and for overall impact, I would say that for skating. Um, When I'm on my classic skis, I really like to go uh, somewhere a little more off the beaten path, like Jim Creek or up uh, Strawberry to the High Lonesome Hut. Um, Those are kind of my you don't encounter too many people. Um, you know, they're pretty quiet, uh, you know, you see, you can see wildlife, um, also up in Idlewild too, that I like, I really like cross country skiing that trail system. Um, if I want to like really splurge and go for like the full Nordic experience, I mean, you can't go wrong with Snow Mountain Ranch or Devil's Thumb or Latigo Ranch or the Grand Lake Touring Center. Um, you know, the Grand Lake Touring Center was hit by the fire this year. So my goal is to get out there, you know couple times this winter to support the, uh, the trails that they've reopened after the fire. So I think that'll be a unique experience. Um, you know, Latigo Ranch also two years ago was hit by a fire. And, um, you know, skiing out there is a really interesting experience because, you know, you're, there's the white snow and the black, you know, they had a huge aspen grove that was on fire. And so the bark's white and black. And so, as you ski, the white and the black and the contrast, you feel like you're skiing through like an Ansel Adam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got a great vision. I,
1: I kind of picture, um, yeah, that the the, tour, the Grand Lake Touring Center might be somewhat similar. So,
0: so what about uh, what about summer trails? What's your what's your favorite mountain bike trail?
1: Whew. Man, you know there there are several trails that I gauge my fitness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, let's go there.
1: Yeah. Like Tipperary, for instance, you know, if I, if I'm not struggling up Tipperary, then I'm like, all right, I did a good job of early season training. Um, I think the phases this year with the trail improvement projects uh, that we're going to be doing, you know, and connecting the front side to the the backside, I think that's going to be a really great area. And I've always really appreciated the phases, you know, they get you in shape really quickly, you know, because it's pretty steep and then it's a, a pretty screaming downhill so I really like that area. I like the Leland Creek Trail System that Winter Park um, manages. I think that's a really great one. Um, you know, there's so many there's so many opportunities. You know, Idlewild is always a really good one uh, if I'm riding with my youngest. You know, because it's not too challenging, but you can take some more challenging um, trails. We just redid burnout loop on that trail system this past season. So now that that has a, it's more adventure packed than it had been in the past. So hard to say the absolute favorite, but that's
0: all right. There are so many, it's hard yeah. to choose.
1: And it really depends on the moment and the fitness and the time, right? Right. I would yeah. a lot from the office. So, you know, I tend to be in the Fraser area a lot.
0: Time versus effort. That's probably the biggest choice.
1: (laughs) Oh, I will tell you, though, one of the trails that uh, will make a big impact, I think, in the Fraser Valley that we've been working on for two years now is we've redone um, WTB, and then we're building a connector trail to it um, that currently is being referred to as double-bit, but it will it removes a whole road portion, a whole road climb, um, and it's all going to be single track now. So I think that will connect... Frazier to Winter Park via single track instead of a road. So I think that's going to be a highlight.
0: That's exciting. Okay, so lastly, how about a hiking trail?
1: <gasps> well, if I if I could do a multi-day um, hiking trail, I would say um, connecting Junco Lake to Monarch Lake up over Arapahoe Pass and coming back around like over the Continental Divide back into Winter Park. So you span Winter Park, you go into tabernash gramby and then circle back so that's probably my favorite you hit multiple lakes but um it's uh, for a day trip um i like the challenge of buyers peak um i like parkview mountain over off 125 as a as a group hike this uh this past season and uh that was really beautiful and challenging um any of the continental divide, you know, it's such a significant um, scenic route that goes pretty much through our entire county. So, you know, doing that as a long, uh, long distance effort or taking it into segments and chunks, um, I think is also really great.
0: That's fantastic perspective. You know, I just, I never think of many of those. I just never even comes to mind.
1: And, you know, we will be working a lot in the Wolford area in Kremlin too. So um, just like we talked about that phases trail redevelopment project and the trail smart sizing project in the Fraser Valley, we are currently working uh, with the BLM on revamping the Wolford area in Kremlin to make it kind of have uh, appeal like a little fruta. You know, it has that whole area it has the right terrain It opens early. It closes late. Um, It does have seasonal wildlife closures on it. But, um, you know, it has a lot of potential to be a really great uh, riding area, hiking area, dirt bike area. That's really Um, exciting. I had no idea. There you go. All right. Got to stop there on your boat or on the way to summit. That's
0: exactly right. All right. So listen, let's I got one more question for you and then and then we can wrap up. You've been in Grand County for 17 years but have been coming for much much longer than that. What do you see as the future of Grand County?
1: Well, having lived in Vail and having lived in Summit County, I you know, I think that one of the one of the challenges that Grand County will face in the future is just managing its development. You know, I think it's been discovered. Um, you know, when I moved here, I felt like it still was was pretty rural feeling and pretty remote. And now that it's kind of been discovered its proximity to Denver in the Front Range community with its population surge, I think it's just really everybody needs to be mindful of, you know, protecting these natural assets to ensure that the reason people move here, you know, can can remain for the future. So, I see a lot of attention to kind of smart growth and development and trying to maintain the character of this place.
0: I agree. You know, I started skiing at Winter Park in 1983 when I was a freshman in college and have been in and out of the county for a long time. I mean, that's I don't know how many is 35 years or something like that. Thirty seven years. And um, I tell people when they ask about Winter Park, I say it's still a small mountain town. Mm-hmm. And it's not a small city in the mountains like some of these other mega resorts. And I really, really hope, as much as I'm pro-growth and pro-expansion, I, I hope that the leadership and the luminaries and the leadership and the visionary people of Grand County will will keep that small, intimate town feeling while managing the expansion.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I, think that,
0: uh, I think that we have to do another interview in the summertime from our bikes and we'll do a little riding tour and, you know, I'll bring my little portable recorder and we can talk about where we are and then I can leave it on and you can hear me crash into a tree and then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you're not going to crash into a tree.
0: No, no trees, no trees, no rocks. I try to stay vertical the best I can.
1: It might be interesting to do kind of a, a fire tour as well, you know. That is a
0: great idea. Yeah, That's a great idea. I love that. Well, okay. May, June, you'll be hearing from me. We'll make a plan. Perfect. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that you joined the show. I think that people will love the insight and the explanation that you've given. Uh, There's just so much that you don't see from the highway. And you got to get off the trailhead and into the wilderness to go appreciate the most beautiful parts of Grand County.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree.
0: All right. Well, today we're talking to Mira McQuain, the executive director of the Headwaters Trails Alliance. Thanks again, Mira.
1: Thank you. Have a great one.
0: Thanks. (laughs) And this is Grand County Matters.